death by falling space drunk and why it's more likely than you think. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. In July, debris from a SpaceX spacecraft fell from the sky, landing on a farm in the snowy mountains in southern New South Wales. I just found it out in the paddock. Didn't know where it came from or... Yeah, the only possible way it could have got there was it fell out of the sky. Less than a month later, parts of a Chinese rocket returned to the atmosphere, discovered just metres from villages in both Malaysia and Indonesia. Chinese rocket debris has crashed to Earth over the Indian and Pacific Oceans. The uncontrolled return of the rocket's core, some 20 tonnes, has raised questions about responsibility for space junk. Nearly 10,000 tonnes of space objects currently orbit the planet, and a huge number of these are junk. Things like old satellites, rocket parts, and abandoned launch vehicles. The chances you'll be struck by this falling junk is astronomically low, so we've thought. Current estimates say the odds are in fact much higher and are only getting worse. Today, the odds you or someone you know will be hit by falling space junk. And who's responsible for the damage? Okay, Matt, I feel like I have no choice but to start the episode by addressing the fact that it's even possible for people to be hit by space junk when they're on planet Earth. Yeah, it it might sound pretty wild, but it is definitely possible. Matthew Aegis is a science journalist for Cosmos magazine. So space junk unsurprisingly falls back to Earth because of gravity. (laughs) And there are no reported deaths from falling space junk, but there are some people who've had some pretty close calls. So back in 1997, there was a woman who was exercising in a park in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the States. At about 4am in the morning, she was struck by roughly... 15 centimetres worth of black metallic material. And it turns out that that was from a used rocket called Delta II, which had, you know, passed through the atmosphere about 30 minutes earlier. Fortunately, she wasn't hurt, just tapped her on the shoulder and fell to the ground. Um, And, you know, if they hadn't known that Delta II was re-entering the atmosphere 30 minutes earlier, would they have known that it was space junk? I'm not sure. Um, And that's a crazy anecdote. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty crazy and surely not what you would expect when you're out exercising at your local park. No, definitely not. Uh, but again, you know, it's not the only case. So in 1979, fragments from the NASA Skylab, so this is a little bit before my time, but, you know, apparently in 1979, everyone was freaking out about where this NASA satellite was going to end up. And they didn't think it would end up where it eventually did land, which was around the Shire of Esperance, which is a town in Western Australia, and it's scattered all throughout the Shire area. The funny story there is that the council ended up sending a bill or a a fine to NASA for littering of about 400 Australian dollars. And just two years ago, a 12 metre long object crashed into a village on the Ivory Coast, which is a country in West Africa. And they later attributed that 
piece of space debris to the Chinese Long March 5B rocket, which was known to have re-entered. So while it does sound ridiculous, it is possible. And really, falling space junk is no joke. It can be incredibly dangerous to, to buildings, to towns, as we've seen in the Ivory Coast, and potentially deadly. And, and fortunately, we haven't had a fatality uh, from space junk entering the atmosphere. But you know, in the case of a woman who was going for a walk in a park in Oklahoma in 1997, it, it does hit people. Okay, I'm vaguely concerned now, Matt. Can we look at the odds here? How likely is it that someone will be hit by falling space junk? Yes, well, according to most estimates, there's a less than trillion to one chance that you'll be hit by space junk as it falls through the atmosphere. And everyone comes up with odds in their own way. Different countries and different launch agencies and space agencies have their own rules and methods for calculating it. But the pub version, I guess, for figuring out these probabilities comes down to, in essence, let's work out the area that the debris from space is likely to cover and then times that by the population density that lives in that area. And then from that, you know, we'll come up with an expected casualty rate, which needs to be quite low. So these odds mean that you actually have a higher chance of getting hit by lightning or even winning cross lotto. So I would go and buy a Powerball ticket before you really start worrying about getting hit by a piece of space debris. But the thing <laughs> is that these estimates, I guess, can be a little bit misleading as well. Okay, so a little bit misleading. How so? Well, there are a few factors at play here. So the trillion to one or less chance is based on you, Sophie, as an individual <laughs> being hit, all right? Sure. But in reality, when we look at where spacecraft are actually located, most are above the areas where humans congregate. And because of that, the odds of someone being hit are considerably more than that trillion to one chance. The odds that the space industry work with, you know, depending on, again, which agency or, or which launch party we're talking about, are more like 10,000 to one. They call this ground hazard. And the other thing to note is that the odds of someone being hit by space junk are only going to get worse. And as more and more satellites, both commercial and military, are sent into space, there is an estimate now that has been floated. And that is that in the next decade, there is a one in 10 chance someone somewhere on planet Earth is going to be hit. A one in 10 chance. Okay, run us through this. Where did these odds come from? So these odds come from a research project released in July by the University of British Columbia in Canada. They calculated a 10% chance that someone will be lethally struck by space junk in the next 10 years. And this is based off some very conservative estimates of calculations um, using their own methods for figuring out these odds. And, and this one in 10 chance is actually I guess in a way, because it's a conservative estimate, it's, it's almost like the best case scenario. And as is the case with research, sometimes you discover things you weren't expecting to discover. I spoke to the lead author of the paper, Professor Michael Byers from University of British Columbia, and he and his team found peoples and countries in the global south are disproportionately at risk. So the global south includes regions across Latin America, Asia, Africa and Oceania. And the chances of getting hit are therefore, based on these calculations, three times higher for people that live in places like Jakarta, Lagos and Dhaka compared to, say, New York, uh, Moscow or Beijing. 
And you'll note that I mentioned those places because those countries are the countries that send most material into outer space. This data is based on the current rocket body population in orbit. The majority of orbits are located around the equator, so spacecraft float mainly above those places in the global south. And it's important to point out that it is those wealthier nations, the US, Russia, China, countries in the Northern Hemisphere who are responsible for the majority of rocket launches. And I guess you extrapolate that to the majority of space junk. We think that this is an equity argument above all, that we shouldn't be treating any human life as dispensable. And we certainly shouldn't be valuing lives in the global south less than we would in the north. There's a huge inequity here, obviously, Matt, that it's the countries who aren't even behind these launches that will be impacted. Who is responsible for the damage that may be caused? Well, at first, I thought that it would be the agencies behind the launches, so something like NASA or a company like SpaceX. But in actual fact, it's the national governments of the country where that object came from. So if NASA sends something into space, the US government is responsible, that sort of thing. And that national responsibility is laid out in something called the Liability Convention. It's an international treaty in the world of space law, and it basically means that you don't need to prove any fault whatsoever. Instead, you just need to prove which country or state launched the object that's landed in your backyard. And once you do, that country is liable no matter what. So say a piece of space junk falls on you or your home and it comes from a rocket or satellite and you know you, you find it and it says product of the United States on it. Um, if you choose to, you can make a claim through the relevant diplomatic channels to seek something like compensation from the US government in that hypothetical. Right. And I imagine the same would apply to Australia. Say we launch a rocket somewhere that then lands in the global south. The Australian federal government is liable for any damage caused? Correct. Now, compared to other countries, Australia doesn't launch a whole bunch of rockets. It's more likely that they are going to come from something like the USA, from Russia, from China. So in the next decade, at least, it's not likely that Australia will get embroiled in some sort of falling space junk legal problem. But there are ways that our government or any government can protect itself from a case like this. Governments can require any company that wants to send something into space to be insured against these sort of outcomes, basically indemnifying the government. For instance, there have been cases when spacecraft have fallen down to Earth and caused environmental damage. There can be big cleanup costs associated with that. So it makes sense that a company sending something into space would want to be insured because a government might give them the bill. But this issue becomes much more complicated when you consider that individual lives are at risk here. And, and how do you insure against that? You can't insure against a life lost. Okay, so Matt, our interest in space is in no way slowing down. As the technology advances, we're going to see more launches and more satellites and more space junk. Are there ways we can reduce the risks when it comes to sort of what's already up there and then what we're planning to go up? Well, yes, there are. But we could be much better at mitigating these risks. One of the most basic ways that this could be done is by looking at the spacecraft itself and how it's built and thinking about controlled re-entry. So that means how we're going to bring it back to Earth. 
One option is to build spacecraft so that they have a more controlled fall and landing. So this basically involves building them to carry more fuel, which allows them to re-enter the atmosphere at a different angle and makes them safer to land. Building them this way clearly is going to cost more, but scientists like Michael Byers and the team at the University of British Columbia back this idea. So in the first few decades, there wasn't an option to, in many cases, engage in controlled re-entries. But now we've got a dramatic increase in the number of, of launches. We have technologies and mission designs that can bring all of these stages back in a controlled way. But there's another issue at play here when it comes to risk. So even though governments and space agencies are well aware of the risks of falling space junk, there are no actual rules or requirements in terms of preventing the risk. We have no conventions or protocols or international agreements on what to do about junk and reduce its risk in the first place. And that's a big problem, not just because we're set to do more launches, but because there's already a lot of space junk up there already. Last year alone, 60% of space launches resulted in at least one rocket stage being abandoned in orbit, which basically means part of the rocket is lost in space. To set out these risk rules, the biggest space-faring countries have to come together to agree on what these rules should be and how they'll reduce the risk. Byers believes this is completely doable. You know, climate change is tough because there are billions of us emitting greenhouse gases millions of companies, hundreds of countries. With regards to space launches, we're talking literally about a couple dozen actors, countries and space companies. So this should be an easy problem to solve. And not only that, but these wealthy countries need to realise there's a lot at stake here and that they have a moral obligation to places in the global south. They're the ones causing the problem and should be pulling their weight to address it. The question is, should business as usual include imposing a risk of a casualty on one or more people in the next decade, potentially? Or should we actually take the available safety measures? And if you take the analogous industry of commercial aviation, where, where safety is paramount, if there was a, a readily available technology that would avoid a casualty risk, then we would see that being implemented. So why not with regards to rocket launches? That's Professor Michael Byers from the University of British Columbia talking to Matthew Aegis, a science journalist for Cosmos magazine. You can read more of Matt's reporting at cosmosmagazine.com, including the article this episode was based on. That article is called 10% Chance of Someone Being Hit by Rocket Junk This Decade. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. Additional audio from ABC News and BBC News. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. Our executive producer is Melanie Withnall. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Listener.